This is Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International, a non-denominational end times ministry dedicated to fulfilling a divine commission to trumpet forth warnings from God concerning the imminent second coming of Christ and the impending judgment of God upon the ungodly. God has sent Dr. Hansen to many nations of the world with a solemn warning to the political and religious leaders and citizenry to repent of their sinfulness and wickedness or face the catastrophic judgments that will soon be unleashed upon the unbelieving world. Listen now to the warnings of our compassionate and merciful Creator conveyed through His faithful prophetic spokesman, the host of Warning Radio, Dr. Jonathan Hansen. This is Jonathan Hansen. I'm the president of World Ministries International. I want to welcome all of you that are watching on our warning television program, listening on Warning Radio shortwave program. Welcome. We're in the college chat room here at World Ministries International. We have a live audience, our staff and their families every week. And I'm speaking today on the prodigal. I decided to speak on this subject and I also wrote on this subject. It'll be coming out in a newsletter form because the reality is that all of us have been prodigals, all of us at one time or another. We've all been prodigals to our Heavenly Father. In fact, a, a lady just gave a word about the ecclesia and if we're causing trouble, we're a prodigal. We're a prodigal. We're not cooperating with the Holy Spirit, with God the Father. And we're hurting the church. In Luke 15, there are three parables. All three deal with something lost. One was a lost sheep. The other was a lost coin. And the last one was a lost prodigal son. In the three parables, the point that Luke is making is God is longing for and desiring that the lost will be recovered. In the case of the son... It, the illustration is the view and attitude of Father God and Jesus Christ. The runaway son who is engaged in every form of sin is still cherished in their hearts and is so very loved. Probably all of you watching have prodigals somewhere in your family. The runaway son who is engaged in every form of debauchery is still loved. God is longing for all of humanity to come back to him He's ready to forgive and receive them. Here, the earthly father is the prodigal. Or the earthly father to the prodigal reveals the heart of God in this parable. Starts to return home. The father, seeing his son from afar off, runs to greet him to restore him back to the family. He immediately forgives and restores his son. The father had been praying, hoping the son would repent and come home as the father's heart was breaking. Because of the deep love for his son, no matter what he had done. Today, in most families, there are prodigals. Fathers and mothers carry a burden, and they are longing for their precious prodigal to come home. Luke 15, 1 through 32, I'm not going to read it all, but let's read a little bit. I'm going to read 1 through 21. Then all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness to go and find the one that is lost 
And when he is found, he lays it on his shoulder and rejoices. When he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Or what woman having 10 silver coins? If she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it. And when she's found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. You could take it for a coin. You could paraphrase it in 10 earrings, 10 necklaces. You drop everything and look for the one you lost. Likewise, I say to you, there's joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Then he said, a certain man has two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the, the portion of goods that fall to me. So he divided them and gave them. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and then wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he became in need. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. He was ready to eat pig feet and pig food. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare, and I am perishing with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to the father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. So this parable goes into the attitude of God to us and how we are supposed to be to our prodigal when our prodigal comes home, when our prodigal repents. We can forgive, but restoration comes with repentance. To summarize the other 10 verses, you know, the older son's not happy because he'd been faithful. Verse 31, the father said to him, son, you are always with me and all that I have is yours. It is was right when we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and alive again, was lost and is found. So the older son was not happy, but yet the father taught him what grace is all about, what mercy is all about, what true love is all about. Obviously, there's consequences. The younger son lost his wealth. We can forgive. We can ask God to forgive us. That doesn't mean we haven't made consequences for our mistakes in life. There are consequences. David had consequences. Everybody has consequences. You and I have consequences. Does God forgive? God forgives. But you can look back at the consequences that have come in our lives for our choices, even though God forgave. So the father said, hey, son, everything I have is yours, but it's right to make Mary and forgive your brother and love that he came back. It's right to forgive. You have the rest. Don't be angry with your brother. He's come back to salvation. Now the following a lot is from a book, I Parent, Parenting Prodigals and Children in the 21st Century by Dr. Lon W. Flippo. While all children live as free agents, capable of resisting even the best parenting plans, Rod Parsons, a noted authority on prodigals, remarked, 
So many parents are carrying a heavy load of guilt they have no right to bear. Now, now hear it carefully. Many parents are carrying a heavy load of guilt they have no right to bear. That's not to say they have been perfect parents. They have just been parents who have given this task their very best effort. There's hardly a mother or father on the face of the planet that wouldn't like another shot at parenting or rewind the clock to get a chance to read the books and go to all the seminars. But the reality is, if we had another chance, the truth is we'd probably make just different mistakes. Why? Because we are people doing the best we can do. That doesn't mean we are perfect. Some people damage others looking and locking themselves into patterns of behavior that reflect a limited view of their place in the world and in the lives of others. The old warning epitomizes their attitude. When I get through with you, there will be nothing left. Now, we talked a little bit about attitude before this message. They live selfishly, trolling through life, oblivious to the ramifications of their behavior. The prodigal son was characterized by the, this mindset. He could not see or chose not to consider the pain he was causing his family. He felt his own need for pleasure and independence and allowed that to override any other consideration. Many of you have prodigals and they don't care about the pain they're causing you. They're not even aware of it many times. Or maybe they have that attitude. I'll destroy you. You can't see your grandchildren. I don't care. The free will shown by the prodigal is at the heart of a Christ's parable. Free will and its consequences play a central role in humanity's story, as well as in the maturity of each person. Free will plays a central role in choices our children make when not in our presence. Free will. Understanding the biblical concept of free will provides important insight for parents when relating to a prodigal. Our children, like the prodigal son, must recognize that their willful behavior affects their relationship both with God and their families. That's why the father in the parable let the son go. The son's destructive behavior was destroying the family's reputation and position in the community. He let him go understanding he could not force his son to choose right. Children have the freedom to reject God, but they do not have the power to control the consequences of their behavior and choices. The freedom man has is not that of power, but of choice. Consequently, he is accountable for choosing the course he takes. Hope you're catching this. You can make the choice, free will, but you can't control the consequences of that choice. One of the consequences the son suffered is this parable was the loss of his father's protection, wisdom, and provision when he chose to leave home and live a wasteful life. Prodigal also refers to those who choose irresponsibility and self-pleasure with no concern for consequences, though he or she knows the right and responsible way. The scripture clearly reveals that God does not hold a mother or father responsible for the prodigal child's choices. That's why I said earlier, many parents live under false guilt, a heavy burden of false guilt. God holds them responsible for the choices they make. He does, however, hold parents accountable for how they respond to their wayward children. We're supposed to receive them back with graciousness. If the father in this story represents God, the perfect father, the principle we take away is that we, like God, are not responsible for the decisions and behavior of our children. It is not your fault. It's not God's fault when somebody rejects him. 
but we're responsible if we forgive. We're responsible to restore when they repent. God doesn't hate us. He loves us. He forgives us. And when we repent, he restores us. For you as a parent, the question is not, is it my fault? But rather, how can I help my child find his way back to responsibility, to family, to God after making grave mistakes in his life? Your goal is to leave the door open no matter what happens. In the parable of the lost son, the prodigal son's primary concern was satisfying his own needs. In doing so, he abandoned his responsibility to the rest of family and community. His attitude and actions showed no thought for the well-being of others. Just like those of many teenagers in America today, the younger son, like many prodigals today, was selfish. He mirrors the contemporary American child who believes he or she is entitled to indulge. The loving father's experience with his lost son mirrors the parenting journey of those who have raised or are raising prodigals. As a parent of a prodigal today, you might identify with a conversation in Luke 15, in which the nearly adult child argues for his personal rights while looking down in disgust at his parents. In the biblical parable, as in the modern family culture, the prodigal put friends in the pursuit of pleasure above relationship with his father. Henry Nguyen wrote, addiction might be the best word to explain the lostness that so deeply permeates contemporary society. Our addictions make us cling to what the world proclaims as the key to self-fulfillment, accumulation of wealth, power, attainment of status, admiration, lavish consumption of food and drink, and sexual gratification without distinguishing between lust and love. These addictions create expectations that cannot but fail to satisfy our deepest needs. As long as we live within the world's delusions, our addictions condemn us to futile quest in the distant country, leaving us to face an endless series of disillusionments while our sense of self remains unfulfilled. The addiction of carnality, of lust. You can never get enough of anything. Money, power, sex, alcohol, drugs. There can be no return without repentance. The son realized that his rightest lifestyle had led him to near starvation. Verse 6, he was ready to eat pig slop. In other words, he realized the error of his ways. He was heading the wrong direction and needed to return home to the, quote, promised land of his father. The return journey was a long one. He was prepared to live as a servant. His heart had changed. He'd given up his pride and was prepared to repent, leaving his behind his rebellion to his father. He wanted to return. He wanted to be finally humble. Hired day laborers were outsiders who did not hold the same status as servants of the household. For the prodigal to resign himself to returning as a hired hand signified he recognized his forfeiture of the right to live on the property. His social status would be significantly lower than it had previously been. But as a hired servant, he would be a free man with his own income, able to barter and sell, free to pay his debts living independently in the local village. His life would be that of a worker, but most importantly, as a hired hand, if he desired, he could pay back at least some of the debt that he threw away in his lavish living, that he wasted his inheritance, his father's money. Clearly, as Jeremiah says, the son owed everything to the father. He should have been working to hold up the name of the father, serving and repaying the father for all his marvelous gifts. 
But instead, the son became a rebel, a prodigal, and spent everything upon selfish, unrestrained living. His life was wrapped up in the pleasure and security of the world, but when his material resources were exhausted, he stood bare, empty, alone, and destitute. Everything he had was based upon life disappeared. Not only did he find himself cut off from his earthly father, but he found himself estranged from his heavenly father. Throughout his life, he had not trusted or honored his earthly or heavenly father with his life and goods. The prodigal lacked the confidence and spiritual strength to know that he could recover on his own. Destitute of all spiritual help in a world all alone, having spent all he had, he repented before his heavenly father and to his earthly father. Father, I have sinned against heaven. I have sinned against you. That's the attitude for restoration. I have sinned against you, God. I have sinned against you, father, mother. Knowing of no other recourse, he sought atonement for his actions. Repentance turns out to be the capacity to forego pride in great and accept graciousness. To repent, you got to forego pride because pride always stops repentance. Pride always stops us from doing the right thing. Bailey amply reminds us the forsaking of a prodigal's pride sets the stage for his repentance. However, before giving all credit for the repentance to the son, we must note with Professor Susan Eastman, quote, economy of grace is perpetrated by the father's wisdom, forgiveness, reconciliation, and unaccountable generosity, unquote. The son knew the father would receive him back. We know God will receive us. We must have the door open for prodigals to come back. They must not think we're going to slap them in the face, put them, their nose in the mud. Yes, they have to repent. But yes, we have to forgive. The parable describes with touching simplicity what God is like and in turn what parents should be like. It's filled with God's goodness, his grace, his boundless mercy, and God's abounding love. Although there's not a direct allegorical equation of the father with God, the attitude and heart of the father are meant to depict those of God. Whether the younger son in Jesus' parable was meant to represent prodigal Israel or any other prodigal who wanders from the family and faith, parents reflect a picture of God for their children when they rejoice over the return of the lost or welcome the community to a feast. In every case, the individual and in turn the soul must first perceive its mistakes and repent. I'm talking about restoration, not forgiveness. Repentance is the essential first step back to the father's house. The prodigal understands the enormity of their crime. He'd sinned against heaven and his father. He recognized his sinful, foolish actions cost him his claim to sonship. The best he could hope for now was to become a household servant. The prodigal was returned with a clear, precise knowledge of repentance. His spiritual upbringing and personal time with God gave him a new, clearer understanding of what repentance was all about. In other words, he was raised right. Three things must primarily stand out if we hope to master repentance. One, prodigals should seek to repent, must realize that their actions, attitudes, character, and pride stand between them and restored fellowship with their Heavenly Father. Prodigals are responsible for their own fate, whether they choose the path of repentance or the broad highway of continued sin. They are responsible, not the mother and father. Second, prodigals must not only realize their predicament are self-caused, but also that their only hope lies in the merciful, gracious nature of God himself. Sin resulted in loss of sonship. God is under no obligation to receive the sinner back. 
This realization should bring the, the prodigal to an attitude of humility, for there can be no true repentance without humility. And third, repentance comes before restoration. The father would not have restored his son without repentance. He had already forgiven, evidenced by the father running to greet his returning son. The father always responded with love, but repentance was necessary for restoration. The son responded with the words, Father, I have sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. Scripture clearly demonstrates that there must always be forgiveness. As the Lord has forgiven you, also forgive. Colossians 3.13 Like God the Father, when parents of prodigals hear those words, Father, I have sinned against you. I've sinned against heaven. There can be no other response but forgiveness and restoration. The liberal bias and secular, secular education and moral training is another external influence that challenges Christian parents as they try to help their children develop godly moral values. In school today, children are taught that normal family does not exist, that some children have two dads and two moms, that sex outside of marriage is okay. Christian moral training, once a part of training in the schools, have been deleted in an attempt to separate the institute of church and state. Again, the ecclesia is under attack. Destroy the family. Because of technical advances, highly specialized public and private education systems are rapidly changing social values. And distinct rebellious youth subculture has emerged. American youth institutions, fashion, language, and methods of communication characterize this subculture. A subculture, by definition, excludes outsiders. Teens often view parents as outsiders. This trend begins during middle school and escalates through high school. Premarital sex, alcohol consumption, experiment with illicit drugs are viewed as rites of passage in the youth subculture. The effect upon society is significant. Nearly one million girls under the age of 20 become pregnant each year. That means each day almost 2,800 teens get pregnant. Approximately 4 in 10 young women in the United States become pregnant at least once before turning 20 years old. Studies from both the Gallup Youth Survey and the Leadership to Keep Children Alcohol-Free Foundation indicates that more than 40% of kids who start drinking before the age of 13 will abuse alcohol later in life from a youth subculture. The challenge of fighting these trends is difficult but necessary. Parents must be aware and proactive in the battle of that rages for the heart's and lives of children. Children are educated with a culture of rebellion apart from parents by educators who may not support the same spiritual and moral values that we have. In the shadow of these educational trends, Christian parents are finding it harder than ever to pass on biblical morals and spiritual lessons to their children. To mother and fathers of prodigals who are young or adults, Yes, it's important to raise our children as the Bible warns us in the ways of God, as well as being proper examples to them. Yet, even the best parents have prodigals. Jesus had Judas. Adam and Eve raised Abel. But they also raised Cain, the first murderer. I'm sure they raised him the same. What's the difference? Free choice. Dr. Lon Flippo explains, the fact is that some children of addicts or alcoholics do grow up to be responsible members of society, while some children of the godly parents make sinful choices and turn their backs on God. So you can have the best parenting producing prodigals. You can have the worst parenting from mafia hitmen producing preachers. 
What's the difference? Free choice. Oh my, I want to blame my parents. Well, God says you can't blame your parents. You're in age of accountability. I'm right in front of you. The word of God, it'll change you. Blame yourself. Quit blaming your parents. Some people blame their parents the rest of their life for the issues they have in life. Get off it. Blame yourself that you're messed up. Their free will of a person is what decides their fate, whether they use their free will to serve God or not. If we choose to serve God, we honor and listen to our godly parents who can provide a wall of protection, wisdom, advice, and blessing over us. If you are a prodigal, repent now. Come under the grace, mercy, and forgiveness of God and be blessed. It's never too late to be forgiven and restored. Prodigals. All of us have prodigals in our immediate family or our extended family. All of us, because there is rarely, I've never seen a family where everybody has come to salvation through Jesus Christ. And before that time, there's prodigals. Even in our attitudes, you can be a prodigal for a little while. You can be a prodigal. You can let your mouth override what the Bible says and be a prodigal. If you're wise, you get to say, God, forgive me, so I, now my prayers can be answered, I can be blessed. Are you a prodigal? Everyone's a prodigal to some extent. But if you have sinned against God and your parents, come back to God. He'll forgive you and your parents will too. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International. Warning Radio is a listener-supported program. We need your donations in order to continue airing these Christ-centered prophetic programs. Send your checks or money orders to World Ministries International, Post Office Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. To donate securely by phone, call 360-629-5248. Visit our website to find other ways of giving and a wealth of information about World Ministries International and host Dr. Jonathan Hansen. The website is worldministries.org. There, you'll also have access to hundreds of previously aired radio programs, made-for-television videos, thousands of articles, Dr. Hansen's books, and travel itinerary. Again, the website is worldministries.org. The phone number is 360-629-5248. Tune in at this same time, Monday through Friday, on this radio station for the next exciting edition of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen. Remember, the Lord is not slow about the promise of His return, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for everyone to come to the repentance that leads to eternal life.